0: Uh, Evelyn, I wanna thank you for praying for me. It's uh, wonderful to be given the opportunity and the privilege to speak uh, on behalf of, of God and it's, uh, it's an awesome privilege and I don't take it lightly. So I thank God for that privilege and I thank pastor for allowing me to share his pulpit. So today, uh, my clicker. God has impressed me to, to share a word and the word comes in three simple statements. God said it, I believe it, and that settles it. So I want to speak on faith, and I pray that you'll be encouraged as a result of this sharing. So we just pray, but it's always good to pray. So let's just bow our heads for another word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Thank you for taking care of us throughout this week. And I ask and pray that you will now take center stage. The message is simple, but I pray that you will allow it to take root in all of our hearts, that it may work in a most profound way, that we can be um, excited for you, that we can be encouraged for you, that it will make a positive and everlasting difference in our lives. Father, at this time, I ask that you will use me. Take this message, take this time, take this word, and I pray that you will implant it in the hearts of your people now, that it will transform them and draw them close to you. We ask all these things in Jesus' name, amen. So, what are the statements? Say it with me. God said it. Say it with me. God said it. I believe it. it. And that settles it. Okay, so by the end of our time together, I want these three statements to be very, very clear in your minds. I want them to be well understood. I want them to be believed, and I want them to take roots, as I said in my prayer, in your heart and in your minds. This is my sincere prayer, that these words, that this message will bring a simplicity to your walk with God. Faith is such an important concept, and this is what I want to talk about today. How our faith can be grown, how our faith can be developed, and how it can flourish so that we can walk with God that much closer. One Sunday, many years ago, I was jogging, and uh, the soundtrack that particular day was an African uh, chorus of medleys. And one medley said, God said it, I believe it, and that settles it. And as I listened to that soundtrack, I said to myself, you know what? That's it. That's the perspective, and that's the mindset that I need to have when it comes to my walk with God. I need to understand that when God said something, I believe it. And when I believe it, that settles it. I need to leave it there. And so this is what has inspired me to share with you today. So once again, what are the statements? God said it. I believe it. And that settles it. So God said it. God speaks a lot. And given that God speaks a lot, he must want us to hear Now, at times, God speaks through nature. Other times, he speaks through circumstances. Sometimes, he he speaks through people. Sometimes, he speaks through our conscience. Many times, he speaks through in ways and means that we may not expect. In the Bible, there's even a time when God spoke through a donkey, believe it or not. So, God speaks. And like I said, many a time we hear in the Bible, the word of the Lord came into Abraham saying... And the word of the Lord came unto Jonah saying, and the word of the Lord came unto Daniel and unto Zechariah and unto Amos. And we get the point. God speaks. And like I said, because he speaks, he wants us to hear. And as I was preparing this message, I, I, I laughed and I giggled with myself because I'm not sure about you, but for me, many a time, I make a fuss about not hearing God's voice and my faith not being strong enough and not being where I want to be. But when I realized that actually God is speaking so much, I thought to myself, God is speaking so much. All I need to do is just to pause and just to listen. And when I do pause and when I listen, the, the impress on my heart is how powerful God's word is. And as I was thinking about this, I thought to myself, What would it be like if God's word wrote a CV? So I began to pen it together, and I thought, it might look a little bit like this. The name would be the word of the all-loving, all-powerful, all-wise living God. Date of birth, as far back into eternity as you can go. Strengths, I make the simple wise unto salvation, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Very adaptable, whatever you need or want, I am. I speak, and it happens. Weaknesses? None. Some career highlights. I created everything you see, you touch, and are. I divided the Red Sea and kept it parted all night, allowing a few million of God's children to pass through safely. In nine verses, I outlined the major powers that would rule during the whole of Earth's history. And by the way, It all happened down to a T. And no, another thing, you should know that probability computers estimate that if a prophecy concerning a person, place, or thing has up to 25 details, there is a 1 in 33 million chance of that thing happening by accident. 1 in 33 million, if there are up to 25 details. Go and check out how many details there are in the prophecies of the Bible. I remotely healed billions of people and brought hope, love, joy, and peace to countless others during a 6,000-year tenure. Oh, and one last thing. I became flesh and brought salvation to humanity. Hobbies. I enjoy being challenged. I have made millions of promises and have never broken one. I will not return to my master void. There are a few, here are a few of my promises I've made that I particularly enjoy keeping and have been over the last past 6,000 years. Making it well with those who follow my advice and listen to me. Never letting my people go hungry or naked. Showing that my hand is not too short or my ear heavy, that I cannot hear you and act for you. Reminding people not to be concerned about what others think, because ultimately the judgment belongs to God. In short, I am the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? Therefore, stick with me, and you too will be able to do all things through Christ, through me. So, leaving God's CV to one side, what's the point that I'm trying to make? If God said it, you can bet your life on it. If God said it, there's a phrase that says you can take it to the bank. It's secure. So, remind me again, what are those three statements? So let's dig a little bit. Let's look at this concept of I believe it. When you know the power of God's word, the wise thing, the only wise thing to do is just to have faith in it. Now, here I must stress. It's important that we keep it simple. How should we keep it? Keep it simple. I think Karina's with me. Let's see if if other people are with me. How should we keep it? Keep it simple. simple. What do I mean by that? Many a time, we think of faith as this big, grand, nebulous thing. But actually, really and truly, it's really quite simple. There are many, many definitions of faith. But one definition which I came across that really resonates with me is this one. Faith is an attitude towards God of love, of trust, and of deep admiration. It means having enough confidence in God, based on overwhelming evidence revealed, to be willing to take him, to be willing to believe whatever he says, accept whatever he offers, do whatever he asks, without reservation for life. And for me, that's a beautiful definition of faith. Having confidence in God. Just to hear what he says, to trust what he says, and go with that. Now, if you're anything like me, you're sitting there and you're you're hearing what I'm saying, but you're thinking, how do I keep it simple? How do I really apply what you're saying to me? My advice to you would be the same advice I give to myself. Start by just taking God at his word. Try him. That's what he's been asking us to do for so long. Malachi 3.10, Psalms 34, verse 8. They say, taste and see. Try me and see if I will not. So, start by just taking God at his word. God does not expect us to simply believe without giving us any evidence. God is not a a airy-fairy God. He says, I will give you evidence if you give me a chance. Now, it does feel unnerving at times, and it places us outside of our comfort zones, But unless we give God a chance, he can't prove himself. If there's no trial, there will be no testimony. If there's no trial, there can't be a testimony. This morning, just now, we've spoken about testimonies that we have. And that's many a time being preceded by a trial. That's what's led to the testimony. So if we don't give God a chance, he can't prove himself to us. Now, don't try to overanalyze it. Don't try to dissect it so that you can better understand it. There's a phrase that says, "Let go and let God." so just let go and let God let go and let God. God will come through and when he does come through to you for you, you can use that to build on for your next challenge. God says in his word that he's given each and every one of us, young and old, a measure of faith. Now asking you like going to the gym if You are not exercising a muscle, will it grow? No. And in fact, when you go to the gym, when you do any exercise, in order for a muscle to grow, what must it do? Do we know? It must actually be torn. It must be torn in order for it to grow back. And when it grows back, then it grows stronger. This Is the divine mechanism. Faith must be preceded by trial and tribulation. When these muscles are torn, when they grow back, they grow back stronger. So God has given us a measure of faith. We must exercise it. If you guys sat where you are for another couple of years, you would not be able to get up again. Because your muscles would literally almost like disintegrate. You wouldn't be able to use them again, although you have them. Why? Because you have not exercised them in such a long time. And it's the same with faith. We must exercise it, otherwise it will not grow. So some practical things. I'm a very practical guy. And when it comes to faith, we must approach it with practical things as well. So what should you do? When I first became a Christian, I found out that when I listened to God-like music, When I hung out with God-like people, when I read God-like things, when I involved myself in God-like entertainment, I was actually hanging out with God without necessarily realizing it. Do you guys get me? And in doing these things, my faith was growing. So my advice to you is to do God stuff. Hang out with God-like people. Get involved in God-like entertainment. Another thing that is really, really useful is to keep a God journal. Wherever I go, I always advocate this. I always share this with people. Keep a God journal. Journal down the the journey of your faith. Relive the triumphs of your faith over and over again. Testify. Give evidence of this. And the more you track down And the more often you go back to relive these evidences, you'll see that your faith will grow. Have these things that you've penned down as the hallmarks of your walk with God. Have them in your mind and in your heart, and you'll find that your faith will grow. Lastly, I'm always amazed when I go back to this wonderful little book called Steps to Christ. I read it again recently, and my conclusion is that I need to read this book once every six months. It's a short book, it doesn't take too long to read, and it's amazing when you're reading it. In fact, I thought to myself, the last time I read it, it's almost like every single chapter is a sermon to be preached. Read Steps to Christ. If you don't have it, if you haven't got it, get a hold of it. It's free online, Steps to Christ. Read it once every six months. And as I was pondering this and thinking about this sermon and about faith and how it can become more tangible, a concept came to my mind, and I labored it. The art of faith. What do I call it? The art of faith. But I'm going to start with T and work backwards. What is the art of faith? Tangibility. The T stands for tangibility. What do I mean by that? With day-to-day things, with temporal things, there's an element of real tangibility. There's an element of real personal experience, which is repeated severally. And over time, that builds confidence, which is faith. I work at a school, as I was saying just now, and over the past 16 months, I've been working there for 16 months, and guess what? 16 times they have paid me. If there's been any issue, I've been able to go back to them and say, what happened here? And they've been able to explain it, and I've I've been able to understand the situation. 16 times they have paid me. 16 times I've seen it appear on my bank statement. 16 times I know that my money is in the account and I can use it as I need to. And there are times when I think to myself, this is a real tangible experience. As I was putting this sermon together, I thought this is a very tangible experience. It's almost like there's no need for me to have faith that my work is going to pay me. Do you guys get where I'm coming from? Why? Because they've done it before. I've seen it. I trust it. In fact, many people in my workplace, they're always counting down the days. I find that I don't do that. When it's payday, when it's payday, we know when it is. The 26th of every month, either that or the last Friday of the month, and it will come, sure enough. So I ask myself, why is it that I trust my work, but I don't trust God? And one reason is because there's a real tangibility to it. Like I've just explained, if there's a situation, I can go and sort it out. Many times I've seen it appear on my bank statement and therefore I have evidence of it. And I thought to myself, isn't this the same with God? Isn't this the same with God? The more and more I look back on my situations with God, the more solid my experience is. The more experiences I have with God and the more I look back, the more solid and more tangible my faith becomes. Is everyone with me? So, there's a need to look back. There's a famous Ellen White quote that says, we have nothing to fear for the future except, we, except as we shall forget the way the Lord has led us and his teaching in our past history. Essentially, there's no need to fear the future unless you forget how God has led you in the past. Amen? So this is where the God, journey, God journal comes in. Look back and look back often. Next, rationality. Faith and fear are polar opposites. What did I say they are? They're opposites. Fear is something which grips humanity in its clasp far too much, far too much. Do you know, in fact, let me ask you guys, how many times do you think the Bible talks about, do not fear. How many times? Have a guess. Go on. How many times is the phrase, do not fear? How many times does that come up in the Bible? Did I hear 10? 200? Many times. Many times is definitely the correct answer. As I research this sermon, I searched it up. And there are many people, some people say it appears 365 times. That's a nice kind of sentiment. When I did look, I saw it at least 177 times. At least. That's just a quick initial uh, Google um, search on Bible Gateway. You just type in the, the word, do not fear or fear not, it comes up at least 177 times. That means that God is concerned about us not being fearful. Are you with me? God is concerned about us not being fearful. And as I said, faith and fear, they're polar opposites. In Mark 5, Jesus was speaking to Jairus. Jairus had a situation where his daughter was sick, sick almost unto death. He came unto Jesus, and Jesus said to him, Fear not, only believe. Fear not, only believe. And when I looked at that statement, it is as if the two are polar opposites. They occupy the same space. Fear not, and instead place belief into that place. The two are polar opposites. In 1 John 4, 18, the Bible says, perfect love casts out all fear. Fear is defined as an emotional response to a perceived threat. An emotional response to a what? Perceived threat. Now, the threat is not tangible. It's not necessarily real, but it is perceived. And yet, there are many times that we give fear... Too much power over us, we give fear too much control in our lives, and it eats away at our faith. And this is what I'm trying to get at with this idea of rationality we need to be a little bit more rational, less emotional at times when it comes to our faith. Now, fear does perform a useful function in the sense that it can sometimes alert us to a potential danger, but we should never give it control over ourselves. Do you guys understand? We should never give it control over ourselves. Why? Because it is a perceived threat. It is not necessarily real. And there are times when we take this perceived threat and bring it into our lives, bring it into our hearts, and make it real. There's a quote I heard that says, borrowing trouble, borrowing trouble. Something's not real, it's not yours, but yet you're bringing it into your life unnecessarily. And when I thought about this thing, I I said to myself, when it comes to, yet again, when it comes to -to day-to-day things, I tend to think quite rationally. It is said that men tend to be more rational than women. I don't know if that's true. But male or female, we need to become a little bit more rational than emotional when it comes to our faith. Going back again to my workplace, I've come to believe, and that word believe, is the same as faith. I've come to believe that they will pay me every single month. I think to myself, why wouldn't they? I've worked here, and they have paid me before. So why would they not pay me this month? I have a legal contract with them that says I work and they pay. And then when I thought about it, bring it bring, bringing it to my walk with God, I thought to myself, has God ever failed me? Has God not shown that he can act in my life? Have I not got any evidences with God? And if I really want to think about it legally, do I not have a legal binding contract with Jesus? Do I not have a contract with God that says, "I have come to save you, Manuel. Come unto me, and I will be all that you need me to be." Is God not more? Is God not more trustworthy than my company? And yet, when it comes to my company, I'm quite rational, quite logical, quite trusting. But when it comes to God, I'm nervy, despite the fact that he's come through for me before. And so I say to myself, let's be a little bit more rational. When I think about God, God is the most powerful being that there could be. Amen? Amen. And at the same time, he is the one that loves me the most. And so if I've got the most powerful being who also loves me the most... Why do I need to fear? Would God not do what is within his control for my good? I've been blessed with a beautiful little daughter, and with all my heart, I love her. And if there is something within my control, and it's for her good, you can guarantee that I'm going to do that thing. And God says that as far as the heavens are above the earth, his ways are far above mine. His love for me and my daughter combined is just... unimaginable. He loves me more than I can love myself. He loves you more than you can love yourself. And he is the most powerful being at the same time. So you have the most powerful being on your side. Why do you need to fear? Now, I'm going to share it. I was a little bit dubious about sharing it, but I think it fits. Uh, When I was about, I don't know, I was about 12 years old, I was in the UK and uh, I left my house with my cousin and went to another area close enough to our house. Uh, and there was a boy who was uh, a little bit naughty, a little bit troublesome. He's called Toby. We went to an area where, close to where Toby lived. I was sitting on a swing, and Toby is younger than me. He's about two years younger than me. And he had the nerve to come up to me to tell me to get off the swing. There were other swings around, but he was telling me, get off the swing. I said, of course, no, I'm not going to get off the swing. So we're in this little interchange, and I'm telling Toby, no, I'm not going to do it. He's telling me to do it. And I looked up, and coming towards the park, Toby lived literally just opposite the park, so if the swing is here, his house begins where the curtains are, so he's that close. And I see coming out of Toby's back door a figure which is bigger than me, okay? At that time, it looked like Aston's size. And so I'm thinking, okay, hmm, this is the reason why Toby's been a little bit more confident than normal. So I said to myself, all right, Toby, clearly you want something, right? I'm going to give you that thing, but I'm not going to give it to you here. I'm going to go home, call my bigger brother, who's about the same size as your cousin, and then we'll see. (laughs) Toby says he wants to fight me. He physically said I want to fight you. So I said, okay, fine, let's fight but we're not fighting here, I'm going to go home. So I went home, my home was about 10, 15 minutes walk. I told my older brother, this is what's going down. My brother said, all right, let's go. (laughs) So, I'm walking back towards Toby's house. I meet him halfway between my house and his house, and he went down, and Toby went down. Why did Toby go down? Because I knew that this situation I can handle, but Toby had something that I didn't. Toby had backing that I didn't have, and so I went to go call my big brother. When I had my big brother behind me, all right, we're good now. Why did I tell you that message? We've got the biggest brother behind us. We've got the biggest backing behind us. So why do we need to be fearful when we have these situations? If you know who's got your back, you know that he can help you handle whatever situation you're going through. Do you guys understand? So there's an air of rationality that we need to bring to our faith situations. There was a time when I was in an airplane, and I was flying. And as we were above the clouds, it was so bright and so sunny. And we literally came to land, and we just went through the clouds, and we landed in the airport. And as we landed, it was just like today, cloudy and gray. And I thought to myself, isn't that amazing? Just above the clouds, the sun is shining so bright. But because there's a layer of cloud, I can't see the sun. I can't see that it's so bright. The clouds are messing up with the perception of reality. The sun is there, but the clouds are stopping me from seeing clearly. And I thought, this is how it is in our faith. There are times when we're just seeing the immediate situation, forgetting that above the clouds, there is a sun shining so bright and so powerful. And they're given enough time. The sun will penetrate through the clouds, and the clouds will disperse. And it's the same with our walk. There are times when we need to be a little bit more rational about our faith. And when I say that, I mean think. You have the most powerful being on your side, and that most powerful being loves you the most. If it's in his control, and if it's for your good, and it's for his glory, you can rationally believe that he will do it for you. Amen? Amen. So, tangibility. Write down your journal. Look back. Make your faith as tangible as it can be. Have things that you go back on. And I've got a good journal. I started it a long time ago. And there are times when I look through it and I'm like, wow, God, you are just so amazing. Last time I was looking through it, there's a little testimony I'd written about Amarachi. And at the time when I met Amarachi, uh, I had quit my job, and I was about to go on a mission trip to New Zealand. And then this wonderful girl turns up. And so for about six months, I was like, oh, man, I'm getting to know this girl. It's really, really nice. But this whole mission trip I've been planning is here now. So it almost came to the point where it was, okay, stay and develop this relationship with Amarachi, or leave and go on this mission trip. Go with God Go do the God thing. And I was, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? And God worked through Amarachi, and Amarachi said to me, I'm not really, really interested in you. So, (laughs) the decision was made. God made the decision for me. I went and I left in New Zealand. At the time, the situation was Amarachi or New Zealand. I couldn't see how the both could happen. But here I am today. There are many... There are ways in which God works that are far beyond our conception. And so we need to have a rationality about it. We need to have a tangibility about our faith. And one more thing we need to have is an accountability about our faith. An accountability. And by that I mean, don't let it be just your mind and your voice that you hear talking to yourself all the time about your situation don't let it just be your voice that you hear because many a time we when we talk to ourselves we end up in what's called circular thinking we're going around in circles getting nowhere and in fact it's not just circular it's a downward spiraling circular motion where we keep on thinking oh god's not going to come through god's not and before you know it we're in a real depressive state It's at these times that we need an accountability partner. Somebody who can say, you know what? The sun is shining above your clouds. Just hold on. Someone who can sit next to you and open up the Bible and show you those promises. Go with me to Isaiah 41. Isaiah 41 verse 10. One of my favorite verses in the Bible. When you're there, say amen. Amen. When you're there, say amen. Okay, Isaiah 41 and verse 10. And it says, fear not. Here's one of those verses. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. You need an accountability partner to come next to you and open this Bible verse and talk to you. You need that accountability partner. So, have a tangible perspective to your faith. Get yourself a little booklet and start journaling. In my prayer journal, in my God journal, it's just P and A, prayer and answer. And when I write the prayer, I leave a space for the answer, and then I'll go into the next prayer. And then when God answers that prayer, I'll come back and I'll write down that, right in that space that I left. The fact that you leave a space for God tells God that, hey, this guy is believing in me. And you may not feel it, you may not trust it, but do it anyway. Have a tangibility about your faith. Have a rationality about your faith. Think logically at times about your faith. And pray to God to send you an accountability partner, somebody who can bring you a ray of light When you're feeling grey and miserable. So let's go back again. Let's see if you remember. What are our three statements? So, when you've realized that God's word is so powerful, we looked at his CV, God says it. When you've got an art of faith and you've believed it, tell yourself that settles it and move on. What does this mean? It means that once you've heard God said and you've exercised trust in God, see it as done. There's a company called UPS. Is it here in Malaysia? UPS? It's a delivery company. And their strapline is, consider it done. And that's the same thing we need to have with God. When you've prayed about it, when you've left it in God's hands, irrespective of whether your situation has changed or not, get up off your knees and tell yourself, consider it done. Now, your physical situation may not have changed. But when you get up off your knees, tell yourself, I have a different mindset. When you begin to feel fearful again, go back to the Word of God. Trust in the power of God and talk to yourself positively. We've got examples of this in the Bible. We have Hannah. Those of you who don't know, Hannah was praying for a child And she was in a temple, and she was crying. When she prayed for the child, she got up off her knees, she wiped the tears away, and she went and she ate some food. And the Bible says, nine months later, baby Samuel came along. What was her process? She prayed. She got up, she left the situation with God, and she went about her business. That's what we need to do. There's another example, one of my favorite stories about Naaman. God told him to go and dip in the River Jordan seven times. He had leprosy. He had sores. And I can imagine that by the third or the fourth time he dipped in the water, he was beginning to feel probably worse than he was before he was in the water. Because he's got open sores. And now he's dipping in muddy, dirty, stinking water. One, two, three. And the situations not getting better. It's actually getting worse. But... He carried on with some encouragement from accountability partners that were actually his subordinates. But they told him, Naaman, keep on going. Follow God's instruction all the way through to the end. And he did it. And what happened to Naaman? He was healed. So go on, keep on dipping, even if your situation doesn't change. Keep on dipping. Even if the process that God reveals to you is long and is painful, follow it through to the end. As I begin to come to a close, I just want to remind us not to put God in a box. There's a quote uh, from Ellen White that talks about how God has got a thousand ways to deal with a situation that we have not even conceived of. The Bible says in Ephesians that he is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above. Exceeding goes high. Abundantly goes even higher. Above takes it to the nth degree. He is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask or even imagine. Or even imagine. God can do far more. Your situation may not change, like I said, but keep on trusting God. I don't want to to, to sell you a false hope. I'm not here to tell you that when you pray, everything's going to change. The three be boys, they said to themselves, and they said to the king, we're not going to bow down to your image. And even... If God doesn't come through for us, we believe he will come through. We can all say that. But they said, even if God doesn't come come through for us, we're not going to bow down to your idol. And what happened? They got thrown in the fire. They didn't get rescued straight away. Sometimes God will allow you to go into the fire. And then when you're in the fire, he will come. Sometimes Uh, Maraj and I were talking about this, uh, I think, last Sabbath or sometime during this week. And we said that sometimes God will save you through the fire. You need that fire for God to save you. So make up in your mind that God will do it. God will do it. We're in the last days. We're in the last days. And there's going to come times when even our lives may be at stake. God says that if you struggled to run with the foot soldiers, how are you going to manage to run when the horses are racing against you? The message is, right now, when the stakes are not so high, when it's not life and death, let us practice the art of faith, trusting in God, just taking him at his word. That's what the song said. How sweet it is just to take Jesus at his word, just to rest upon his promises, just to know Thus saith the Lord. Even when your life is at stake, just trust in him. You're in Isaiah 41. Just flick forwards to Isaiah 46 as we close. Isaiah 46 and verse 3. Why can we trust in God? When you're there, say amen. Amen. Isaiah 46 verse 3 says, Listen to me, O house of Jacob, and all the remnant of the house of Israel, who have been... Upheld by me from birth, who have been carried from the womb, even to your old age, I am He, and even to gray hairs, I will carry you. I have made and I will bear, even I will carry and will deliver you. That is the statement that basically says, It's on me. That's what God is saying, It's all on me. Just trust in me because it's all on me i will bear you i am the one who started this process philippians 2 says he who begun a good work in you will continue it i'm the one who began this process and i'm the one who carry it through to the end and so trust in god now the devil will not give you an easy victory so if doubts begin to creep back in your mind what are the three statements you're going to say finish. And so I now ask you to place these three statements in your mind and in your heart, along with the art of faith and trust in Jesus. Amen? Amen. All right.